0: Welcome to Word Quota with Beck McNew, where I talk honestly about life in my words and speak life through the word. Today on Word Quota, I've asked our dear friend Wes Willett to join me. Wes is a husband and father, pastor, musician, and author of a book entitled Anno Domini, which I'll go ahead and put the plug in right now that I think it would be a great addition to your Christmas list because it is technically a Christmas story. His name might sound familiar to you as I have quoted him on many occasions. I think I called you Sage West yesterday. (laughs) Yes. So thank you for joining me. And why don't you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your family and what you do?
1: Thank you for having me. It's so fun to do this. It's so bizarre because we're our families are such buddies, you know, so to sit on the other side of an interview, it's fun. I've done music all my life. And I climbed on a bus when I was 13 years old. And I don't know how I got my parents to do that. But somehow they agreed to it.
0: That's crazy because Juliana is going to be 13 at the end of this year. And Yeah. I can't. There's absolutely no way.
1: You're right. I don't know if it's a different world or a different time. I suppose that's some of it. But yeah, they did. They let me climb on this bus, man.
0: Did you have people with you that they knew?
1: Not really. That's the crazy thing. I think, you know, I think it has to, remember when we were kids, like, I remember being so far away from my house. I could barely hear my mom's voice calling me home for dinner you know, West, it's time to eat. So I would jump on my bike and head home. We don't do that anymore. So I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. It's just, you know, I would never let my kid when she was that young do that, you know, just roam the neighborhood. Okay,
0: so 13, you hopped on a bus.
1: Hopped on a bus and just, you know, it was one of those things that you do. And I was young. And so now I guess I love the hindsight of, of life. You know, grace is just so much more clear. It, was, it wasn't it was all great stuff. it was There was a lot of struggles. and Because that was the beginning of music for me. And I didn't realize that. You know, now at forty seven I'm still climbing on buses and airplanes and Wow. It's a long time to do something. That
0: is a long time to do something. Especially in this day and age where people get bored so easily.
1: Yeah. Right. I don't I don't know if I'm just glutton for punishment or
0: So what was your band? Like what were you doing?
1: It was kind of a, a group of traditional type young male singers and we uh did sort of quartet style music
0: like southern gospel
1: yeah yeah actually southern gospel yeah that's how it all started years and years ago and then from there my tastes grew to different things and I ended up in like a crazy band band somehow wearing a wife beater shirt with long hair (laughs) and just jumping all over stage and going crazy which
0: is really funny if to imagine you with long hair because you have no hair now people don't know this (laughs) on on a podcast but you have no hair (laughs)
1: Yes, I I periodically get pictures on Facebook and say, "Is this you? Oh my gosh!" Uh, so yes, it is. So from there, you know, I got married to my my beautiful wife, April. We had we have one daughter. Her name is Gracie. She's amazing. She's eighteen. And music was for sure the first thing. All the way around, I started singing. I'm a, in a musical family. My folks were missionaries, and I was the youngest by far. Uh, I'm six years younger than my brother, and almost eight years younger than my sister. So we could get up and sing, and then yeah, from there, good gracious, I don't know how many groups I've been in over the years, but 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 it's, I'm fortunate and blessed, and I, I still love it, man. I, I don't just road dog it anymore. You know, gone on eighty city tours or whatever. It's the perfect amount. I love who I sing with. they become like family to me. It's still small tours, like a Christmas tour, like Travis will do. And then all the Living Proof Live stuff that Miss Beth has, I do those. And, but it's really scheduled out nicely. So I can still, you know, be a dad, be at my kids' stuff. And,
0: and you're also a worship pastor now.
1: Yes. And so that was another thing I didn't see coming. I, I, I tell you what, man, that's probably one of the things I learned this through the lady that, that I travel with, Miss Beth or Beth Moore. And she's talked about that kind of thing a lot. The kind of thing is that God is so good to give you what you don't know to ask for. And um, that's me, man. I, that, that has been a continual theme in my walk and my, my walk with Christ and just my career and everything. In fact, I, I've been thinking about it lately, and I'm like, God, I don't, I don't even know what I want. Just, you just tell me, tell me what it is, because it's when you really think about it, it's true. Because when you're a kid, you think you, you know, if I, you really end up liking this girl, and you know, obviously you don't, you know, you're in middle school, so you don't marry her. Uh, I
0: did meet Brett when I was 15, which is not middle school, but not that far off. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, that is amazing. You are an exception. And Brett's my buddy. He's just got strong game. That's what it is.
0: <laughs> and I got us totally off track. So in middle school, you most likely won't marry the girl as you
1: like. Yes. But yes. you can well, meet your and, spouse and
0: at church camp and it can totally work out.
1: Yeah, it, it's totally possible. It's totally possible. But as a general rule, there's so many things I thought I wanted or I wanted to do or wanted to accomplish. Only to get there and accomplish them, and realize that's not what I want, or it's like God just derailed the whole thing, and like, no, no, Wes. And then, uh, like, okay, you just mentioned worship pastor. That's that's a prime example. I, honest to goodness, Becca, I thought a worship pastor position is where musicians go to die. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's awful to say. My worship pastor buddies would just cringe when I say that, but but I did. I I, I was, you know, that was something for older people and. <clears throat> I didn't realize the joy I would have in that and the fulfillment in raising up young believers who who want to follow Christ and use their abilities in music and just raising disciples, man, I I did not see that coming. So that's what I mean when I say God, He he really knows what we want and He's so good. He'll give us what we didn't know to even ask for.
0: Well, it's like when the scripture says God will give you the desires of your heart, He's placing the desires in there he's the giving desires. you yes. your desires not just the thing that you want
1: yes exactly exactly
0: um, I, I totally resonate with what you said too where you're like i don't know what i want like, i have no goals i that sounds horrible people are <laughs> like where do you <laughs> see yourself and i'm an organized i'm not like a fly by the seat of my pants person mm-hmm. i just don't really know i just genuinely want to do whatever it is he wants me to be doing and he hasn't filled me in on it yet so I can't tell you the answer you know
1: right you wrote about that one of your podcasts or or talked about I probably did yeah I don't even remember no and that makes total sense it makes total sense to me because I, I I think I mean I think it's good to have a plan don't get me wrong but man Life is so crazy, and I don't know. He's moved things around my life so much, it's weird, but it's good. But you get, like I said, hindsight, man. You get a few years down the road, and you look back, and it's like, wow, that was what should have happened, you know?
0: Absolutely. It's good. I mean, I can even see, I won't expound on it right now, but I can even see things just in the past year Mm -hmm. that I can't imagine. I mean, just looking from the outside in, our life doesn't look a whole lot different from a year ago. Just the work that God has been doing in me, you know, is different. That's good. You've seen different aspects. You have the worship pastor platform ministry, and then you've got your playing and traveling kind of thing, which seems sort of the same because they're both platforms, which is hilarious to me, too, because... If anyone met you in person, they would not think this is a guy that just wants to be on a stage. You know, (laughs) you're one of the most (laughs) humble people that Mm -hmm. I've ever met in my life. So I feel like because people don't know you, I need to say that you're not about shining the light on yourself. And I can tell it's probably making you feel uncomfortable (laughs) that I'm even saying that. I'm squirming. Is there something through the many positions and places that God has taken you that you just wish the masses understood about either platform ministry or ministry? Life in general, that maybe you think that people just don't always get from the outside looking in?
1: Yeah, I do actually. That's a very good question. I, I had a pastor ask me something not too long ago. He's a buddy of mine, and I won't mention names because, man, it, this is not me throwing him under the bus, and I'm not saying his name, so therefore I'm not throwing him under the bus. We all have desires, right? We're built different. God gives us um, per- our personalities, play into that. Long and short of it, he was talking to me about some of his desires, and he, he was like, Wes, he I just, I think I'm. I'm, so, I think I'm supposed to uh, preach to the masses, man. And he was being dead serious, and you know, I, but I don't. Something in, in me just, um, I don't want to sound over Recoiled? spiritual Yeah, yeah, recall. That's, that's probably a good way, but not, not like, oh, you're awful. Because I know this guy. I know this guy. He's godly, and he's, he didn't mean in a weird way, but he noticed. I think that I didn't just jump on it. Because he is talented. Mm-hmm. God's given him gifts. He can speak well. All those things. Because what, what are you thinking? And I said, well, man, I just, I guess caution. And the reason I say that, and I think this will tie in with what you were talking about is I think it's a, a trick of the enemy to get as focused always on. If you notice, if someone's going to ministry, they're going to be, you know, the next Bethmore or you name the next big name. Here's the point. When I look at scripture, and this is what I told my buddy, I was like, those people in scripture were not gunning for like, like Moses. He wasn't gunning to be the liberator, of you know, the children of Israel. He was on the backside of a mountain somewhere, 80 years old, and, you know, he'd probably resigned. He, he was a shepherd at that point. He was tending the flock. And does that make sense? So in other words, yes. they were not uh, David. He wasn't just gunning to slay, you know, Goliath and, you know, ascend to the throne of Israel. You know?
0: He didn't have the hindsight perspective or the full scope. And so they weren't going into it thinking the crowd is my goal.
1: That's it, exactly. And you said it so eloquently, as you always do. Another example would be younger bass players come to me sometimes and they'll ask, Hey, man, how did you play for so and so? And I'll tell them, I'll say, Man, I just, I asked God and I, asked, you know, I served in my church and, and I just try to be faithful. And, you know, and they look at me like, Yeah, 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 man. But how did you network? But really? Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's like they think that's a canned answer, you know, to sound spiritual. And I'm like, no, everything good in my life, everything good. And I'm trying not to get emotional, but it's true, Becca. Everything good in my life has come from God and His sweetness toward my family and His goodness toward me. Because, I mean, you know, I'll I'll screw it up. I don't have this mega plan to start out at 13. Okay. At 19, I'm going to move to Atlanta and leave home. Okay. At 22, I'm going to join this other band and you know, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, I'm going to end up playing for Beth Moore. You know? yeah. That's 30 years of planning. I mean, you, you can't plan that. When someone makes statements like that, they don't understand that there is a, a price is not the right word, but there's a story involved there. They don't understand what Miss Beth has walked through. They're not thinking through, you know, David didn't just slay a giant, but he hid in caves and I'm sure was cold and hungry and was on the run for his life from King Saul. You know, it's not just visions of grandeur, you know, God blesses someone. And I believe that those things can happen, but I think, man, it's just, it's his choice. It's, it's his will. And if, if it's on a big stage, great. But I think I had an artist I used to play for say something to me on this subject. He said, everyone always wants to do the big thing, Wes. And, um, you know, write the big song. He goes, it's always amazing to me. He says, people don't stop to think that maybe the biggest calling in their life could be to be a dad, to raise one kid to know God. I'll never forget that. That was Chris Rice. And I just, I agree. I agree with him 150,000%. And that, that little snippet of wisdom that he gave me impacted me being a dad. So...
0: I think part of what I'm hearing you say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that in our ambitions, which aren't necessarily bad to have and sometimes can be God-breathed, if we put a picture in our own heads of what we think success is. And it's a big thing that seems to us because it's grandiose that only God can do it. And therefore it's a God thing, but it actually might be putting God in a box mm-hmm. and limiting what he wants to really do.
1: Absolutely, We're
0: so narrowly focused that we don't pick up on the other things. Is that maybe part of it?
1: I I think you just nailed it on the head. And I, I think maybe that's why God doesn't give us the superpower of, of seeing the future. I think my life would have scared the daylights out of me.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, had I been able to see it. And so it's a mercy.
0: Juliana right now, she's um, taking Latin. and Wow. I'm not having the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) We we, we joined Classical Conversations this year, and that's just part of it. And that was the thing I was personally most nervous about as far as work at home. And because all Mm -hmm. the other kids who've been in Classical Conversations since they were little have at least had snippets of Latin woven in. So that way, when they get to the point where they start Latin, that they kind of have something there. And she hasn't done any of it before. And By the grace of God, she's kind of a natural at it, and it's really easy for her. But
1: (laughs) that does not surprise me in the least.
0: (laughs) The point is that she came to me with her Latin book the other day, and she's like, I looked at the end and what I'm going to be doing, and it terrifies me. (laughs) And she's getting all this anxiety of what's going to be expected of her. I'm like, but don't look at that yet. You're not expected to do that now. The Mm -hmm. thing that you're expected to do right now— are these words and the declensions of the word truth. And, you know, it's that's what you're doing now. And it's yeah. just one step at a time. And like when the scripture says that he gives us new mercies every morning, you know, they're just, they're enough to carry us through for that day and not for till the end of the year. And honestly, that's something that God's working in me on right now, just with some overwhelming things. Don't not care about it. Right. But don't let that be at the forefront of your mind because you're not prepared for that yet. But right. when you get there, you'll be prepared for it.
1: Yep, I think that's nailing it. I I'll try not to say her name throughout this whole interview, but <laughs> it comes out of my mouth so much. But Miss Beth has talked many, many times about callings, and man, she pointed out something that I've never gotten over, and it's just it's such a simple thought, but it's it's profound too. And she it's basically that you're not big enough to accomplish your calling. It, it's bigger than you, and so. If you could accomplish it, then you wouldn't need God, you know, and then therefore you could take glory, right? And so I thought about that and thought about that. And something that has come out of my writings is, if I can say this, I don't know if I can remember it right, but one of the reasons God gives us callings that are bigger than we are is so that the triumph will always fall within the careful margins of faith.
0: Mm. That's beautiful.
1: To me, it is. Not that it's a great written thing, but it's just, it's beautiful because it's true. And it's exactly my my dependence on Him uh, with my voice issues or whatever's going on in my life. I know we both have struggles physically in different areas. And so it's the most beautiful thing, though, to walk through a Sunday and see the success, if that's what you want to call it, of what God has done in His house today on His people, over His people, through His people, and through someone like me is huge because i know i know where the triumph falls you know yeah. it's just a beautiful that's thing. huge
0: yeah. good work last year you published a book yes Woo. entitled
1: an Domini. speaking of things that are too big for you <laughs> man that was a beast
0: in my opinion it kind of falls both into the realms of Fantasy as well as historical fiction. Would you consider that to be an accuracy? Yeah,
1: actually, I like that. I like that either one of those genres fit.
0: You've kind of just always written all of your life, but what compelled you to write Anno Domini specifically? Where did the idea come from?
1: As you well know, I, I love fantasy, superhero. Uh, Your your husband and I are fast friends in that stuff. And theology, we love all that, obviously. But um, in the midst of the early on writings that I was doing, more devotional type things, I got an idea. I used to love Max Lucado's works. I still do. And I love the way he can just tell a tale. You know, he's just a wonderful storyteller. And um, the thought hit me to write a story about the birth of Christ through perspective of angels and demons. I thought, I wonder what that would look like. And so I started what was going to be a chapter in the devotional. And so it was going to be really, really short. And, you know, as you know, it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And then I, truthfully, I had seasons of laying it aside for a while. And then I ended up, believe it or not, years and years, and years later, getting with Travis and Miss Beth. And Travis's son came home from school one day uh, and asked, Why he literally asked this question and it made me angry. He said, "Why is um, Greek mythology so much cooler than Christian, you know, our beliefs?" It just flew all over me. I was like, "Well, it's not." First of all, you know, (laughs) Um, and so I just all the the amazing things in Scripture uh, that are there. But he did have a point, though. It's like it's because we don't we're so safe. Basically, Christianity. I think in an effort to keep our kids safe to be palatable to everyone, all those things. We've sort of sterilized our books, our literature, when scripture is absolutely anything but that. I mean, good grief. Scripture is the good, the bad, and the very ugly, all wrapped up into one thing. And there's mentions of all kind. I mean, the angels in scripture that we see are not the ones I see at the Bible, you know, at, at Lifeway. Those statues there are sort of milky white skinned skinny guys with wings you know and but when i that, that sounds mean i don't mean it mean i mean they're 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 beautiful the the art is nice but when i read gosh daniel chapter 10 where you know gabriel approaches daniel and like he's terrified you know like gabriel's eyes are on fire they're literally his eyes are somehow a flame of fire his arms are burnished they're like burnished Brass or bronze, but like they've been sitting in a furnace, his voice is like a multitude. You begin to get this sense of, like, oh, wait a minute, this isn't the angels I grew up on, you know? I wanted that. I wanted to show people, young Christians especially, that God, the things of scripture are far more amazing than mythology, whether it's, you know, Norse mythology, Greek mythology, whatever. It's all of that stuff is in scripture and it's amazing and it's a blast. It's a little scary. It's all of those things combined and it's real. It's not a myth. You know.
0: Yeah. In fact, listening to you describe that kind of makes me feel like I'm inside of Juliana's brain for a little bit. And one of the greatest graces that God has given to me is making her my daughter. And I don't just mean that from she's my child perspective. I mean that because I was a very, unimpressed person, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she is a wonderful child. She sees the wonder in everything.
1: She does.
0: Just every little thing is wondrous and amazing to her. And God has, I mean, it's taken all the 12 years of her life so far to even get mm-hmm. me to, to this, but it, in my not impressed if you will. Mm -hmm. I was also not that impressed with God. I mean, I loved God Mm -hmm. and the things of God, but I just, I was completely blind to this amazement and awe that Mm -hmm. was in front of me. And you know how you get to know a child and and their intricacies and what's going to make them tick. And so you see something and you think, oh, they'd like that. And now I see things and I think Juliana would think this, Juliana would think that. And it turned into just me being able to see.
1: Oh, that's so good. See it Becca. for what it is. I love is. that.
0: She's so okay.
1: Um <laughs> Yes, she is.
0: Uh. I'm
1: like the melancholy version of her with a lot less IQ. Yeah, that's me.
0: <laughs> what? You do not have a lot less you. One of my favorite things or favorite pictures that ever comes up in my time hop every year is before you and my husband were going to go do geeky things, you came over. And Uh you were sitting on our church pew and she had just perched herself up on the end of your knees. And me, I'm like, give him personal space.
1: Uh, That's my favorite memory, man.
0: I know. It's just just sitting there like a little parakeet on a stand, like two inches from Uh, your face.
1: She did not ask. She literally climbed up my leg and sat on my knee (laughs) and just looked me dead in the eye.
0: She, She shows me Jesus a lot. Okay. So you gave us the why behind the story. Can you tell us a little bit about the storyline? Give give people a little teaser so that they will want to go out and buy this. Because when this airs, this will be, it'll air in November.
1: Okay. And so it
0: will be the perfect time to buy people Christmas presents.
1: Yay. Okay. Well, I'm excited. In a world. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it, basically, Anne Dominie is the story that we've all heard. If, if you grew up in church, you know, you, you've heard it in Sunday school. But once again, it's sort of the tame Silent Night version. You know, that's kind of what we hear. This is a war story. So what was Lucifer doing when the Son of God came down to take Earth back, to take his children back? And what did the angels do as well? And so, God willing, there is going to be a number two, number two book. Uh, But this first story is very much from angel and demon perspective uh, so there's not a ton of human perspective in it. There is some, Adam is in it, uh, of course, Mary. But as far as the characters involved, it is it's very much just a war story of how he is trying to stop the Son of God from coming back and rescuing his bride, rescuing humanity.
0: It's the battle that's happening in the spiritual realm.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly.
0: Well, I I tell you, Juliana read it in two days, um, which, I mean, she reads fast, but she read it in two days and tell me she liked it.
1: (laughs) That was one of my favorite things, too. I knew I was like, okay, because, you know, it's it's so hard. My wife is sweet. My wife read it and she likes it, but she doesn't. she's um, She's not a reader, so... Basically, she's reading it out of courtesy.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, the, so, I'm a lot the same way. I'm not a fiction reader. Furthermore, I'd much rather listen to things on audio. Right. I, I mean, I do read, but it's, it's almost like, I don't know, I just like to learn. It's the geeky part of me. So I would rather obtain information than listen to a fictional story most of the time. But I did read it, and I also did enjoy it.
1: I am amazed. I'm amazed. And I I knew Juliana was a, a big test, you know, because she's, that's what she, she loves that stuff. And so I was like, okay. Your Lord, just, I was so nervous, as crazy as that sounds, I told April, because I remember asking, it was either you or Brett. It's like, oh man, I was telling April, my wife, babe, I hope Juliana likes it. She reads this stuff all the time. I don't know if she's going to like it or not. If <laughs> <laughs> she did. So.
0: If she didn't like it, she just would have put it to the bottom of her stack. So she is yes. you know, because she comes home from the library with like 20 books. That might be right. a little bit of hyperbole, but probably uh, not far. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, so, <laughs> it's a tall stack of books. I don't know. Yeah. And there have been other books that she didn't finish reading, so it it means something.
1: And that's that's good. I will say one other thing too. Uh, well, I, it's just the neatest thing on the a trip we took recently. The young man I was talking about, Jack, who made the who made the comment to his mother, you know, Travis's mother, said, "Why is Greek mythology so much cooler than Christian?" you know, Christianity and the things of scripture. Well, he is a grown man now because it took me forever to do this. But he read it, Becca. He read it. We did a cruise recently and he remembered the story, but he didn't have the book. He, he said, hey man, I want to I buy the book. Well, well Gracie, my daughter, uh, for those listening, she had a copy. So I wasn't walking around with a copy of my book, but my daughter had it. And so she said, hey dad, you can just have mine. I'll get another one and get home. So he read it, but it was the coolest thing. It was the coolest thing because he was part of the reason, uh, you know, to to finish it. And he finished it in a night and the next morning he finished, there was only one chapter left. So that, that made me feel so good. That was really sweet, uh, a sweet moment. And then the other thing is he got, there's something hidden in there and I can't really say much more than that. I'll give it away. Right. But there's, it has to do with math. I can say that I'm actually awful at math, but. A thing called the quintessence it has to do with that, but there's some hidden fun in there for any math nerd out there.
0: It's like the whole town that I live in is all math nerds. yes,
1: yeah, so they would just crush it, but he got that as well. in fact, he just killed it like, oh yeah, that's this and this and this and this, and that's what it means. I'm like, yes, you know, so he's only the second person to ever find that uh, a little tidbit of fun in- <laughs> oh no, don't worry about it, no one does. <laughs>
0: Speaking of the Greek mythology, so we actually just took a field trip to the Parthenon in Nashville,
1: oh, and cool. yeah.
0: I guess maybe the tour guide said it or he read it somewhere. I missed it whenever he said it, but Canaan informed me because Canaan remembers all the details of all the things Oh um, yes. that the reason okay. why the steps on the Parthenon were so big. Uh is to force you to bow to the gods when you're walking up them. So when you take such a big step, it positions you in that posture. And so then, of course, my thoughts are not complete on this yet, but I'm immediately thinking of spiritual big steps and bowing to God.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: If you could pick one thing that you want people to grab hold of this Christmas season, what would it be?
1: I, I, well, okay, I, I want it, I want this to be a grand, deep answer, but the truth is what keeps coming to mind is family. One of the things my pastor did for me my first year of, of being a worship pastor, he texted me beforehand because Christmas was coming up and it was my first one. And I can't remember verbatim what he said. The essence of it was just, hey, buddy, I, I believe in family and this is a time for family. And uh, obviously it's a time to reflect, you know, of, of the birth of Christ, but it's also a time to spend with your families to do that. And if you want to take off, in other words, you don't have to be the worship pastor is what he's saying. That particular Christmas weekend, you can take that off if you want. And I took him up on it. And so, and it was beautiful.
0: I appreciate that deeply. In fact, so these past couple of years, our church has been in a kind of transitional state. And something that has come out of that is that we are far less production driven than we were before. And not that production is all bad. I don't, I don't want to say that, Yeah. but it's just such a breath of fresh air and it allows me to enjoy God and not just doing things for him, you know? So I appreciate your pastor's wisdom in that.
1: I do too, man. And that's a good way to put it. Just doing, I, I think, I think the motive's can even be really sweet and pure from the standpoint of a ministry motive. In other words, of reaching people, the Great Commission, all that. But man, sometimes we just, what Chris said, we forget the mission at home. And I have, I'm blessed. I have a beautiful, sweet wife who loves me. And I have a, a champion in the faith to raise. And I just, you know, I, I need to be careful and enjoy them, enjoy the time God's given me there and uh, invest in that. As well, you
0: know. What's the most fun that you've had at a ministry event?
1: Oh, that's a tough one, man. Last year, but it was Miss Beth's ministry, and we were in uh, Green Bay. And, and so, of the 13 years I've been uh, a part of that with Living Proof, we've never had to cancel an event. But I mean, it came a blizzard, Becca. Like when I say blizzard, I mean you know it's Green Bay, so that even the locals were like, "Whoa, this is bad." So, you know, I'm from Tennessee, so I'm thinking, oh, sweet mercy. If they're saying it's bad, this is not good, you know? And, yeah. and sure enough, we got snowed in the hotel. We got we didn't get to fly out, uh, so that was kind of rough. We were stuck there. But we all ended up in that hotel. We went up and, and we basically played games. And I had, I know it sounds simple and fun and stupid, but it was the funnest time we had. Ever.
0: Being snowed in a blizzard, canceling event, and playing games with your friends in a hotel. That sounds yeah. like fun.
1: It was awesome, and it was a. uh, This is a side note. It was a Kohler, uh, you know, like the the company that makes the really nice faucets. Yep, it it was a Kohler hotel.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that was the thing, but I didn't either. Marketing idea.
1: Oh my gosh, Becca, they had their showers have like eight nozzles in them, and you can control the temperature like push button control <laughs> control the temperature of the water so we got you
0: never got out did you
1: oh my gosh man you know of course everyone was bragging how hot they actually got the water and all that kind of stupid stuff <laughs> but it was fun a lot, of, a lot of fun.
0: that's fun all right and one more just for funsies question mm-hmm. who is your favorite comic book character and why
1: oh wow see that's a brett question Oh Okay, you're going to have to narrow the question just a little bit because you do understand. If anybody understands, you do because, <laughs> because of who your husband is and he's my best buddy. So are you talking Marvel Universe or are you talking DC Universe?
0: You, you can give me both answers.
1: I can give you both answers. You oh, wow. You can give me
0: both answers. That way we won't have any angry Marvel and or DC people.
1: Right, right. Not that okay. they are
0: probably listening to my podcast, but still. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I have two, truthfully, that are pretty kind of equal, but I will go ahead and pick one for the sake of your question. In the DC Universe, I will pick Shazam. I love Aquaman, too.
0: That's who I thought you were going to pick. I thought you were going to pick Aquaman.
1: Well, uh, th- I feel like uh, Shazam fits the theme of what we're talking about, and I love I them both. I was
0: so wrong. How am yeah. I even your friend?
1: No, <laughs> well, I love them both. Well, see, I would I- love them both. It's so tough. That's what I'm saying. I love Aquaman. half for years and years. I love Shazam half for years and years. They're killer. And one of the things I think is obvious is they're both sort of, until recently, second tier. No one really, you know of them, but you don't.
0: Which fits with your personality a lot, too.
1: Oh, maybe so. I don't think about that. but It's kind of an underdog thing. But why is, first of all, he is a kid. And so he is, I think, 14 or 15, around that. Imagine a kid with the power of, ironically, the Olympian gods. So he has the, you know. His name is an acronym. Uh, gosh, he has, if I can get this right. I didn't know that. Yeah. He has uh, the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, stamina of Atlas, power of Zeus. Anyway, it goes all, all the way down. The speed of Mercury is the last one, but he's just monstrously powerful. Uh, Superman level power, but he's just this little kid. And so it's the funnest thing for me. I love the innocence with the power. Uh, a lot of people confuse those characters, Shazam, Shazam and Superman, but they're vastly, vastly different. Okay, that's my DC pick for right now. Uh, next time, I'll I'll take it off, man. If there ever is a next time, um, <laughs> Marvel is would probably be if I had to narrow it down to one. I would say Spider-Man, and ironically, it's probably the same thing. He's just this kid with these these powers and. He's his father. is so funny. Until this interview right now, Becca, I've never put it together that they have the same background. That's hilarious. His <laughs> father's died. So he's an orphan. Uh, he has no father or mother. And, it's like
0: reading you know, scripture. Things come alive to you that you read yes, 20 years ago and, and all of a
1: sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's the same thing. It's, it's, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That's his, that's the Spider-Man saying. He's just, it's a great character. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's my Marvel pick.
0: Well, before we go, I save this for the end because I know that you're a man of humility and it will make you totally uncomfortable. I just want to take a moment to share with our listeners that you are so the real deal, Wes. And Wes is just one of those guys that you meet and you think he's just so nice and you can't really be that nice, but, but you are. You are really just that nice. It's not a front. It's just a part of your identity and just Holy Spirit oozing out of you. And we appreciate mm. you and how meaningful your friendship is to my husband. And we love April. And I appreciate that she's my personal secretary. <laughs>
1: she's all of our secretaries. And
0: sweet Gracie, who is now grown and who I saw did boxing this morning. That looks like fun.
1: That is a new thing. So, yes, we shall She's see. so
0: grown, All <laughs> right, adultish and stuff. Such a love and a light for Jesus, and I... Love that she is such a great example for my kids to look up to. You know, Juliana always I remember, mm. I think it was when Gracie went into middle school. So this is how long ago that was. Gosh, Juliana okay. cried when we told her that because she thought she wouldn't want to be her friend anymore. Are <laughs> yes, you serious? Because, oh, because Gracie was always so nice. To, I don't even know if Juliana remembers that, but honestly, they don't see each other that much. But right. whenever they do, Gracie's just always so so kind to Juliana, and we just love her to pieces. And so I McNews mean, love. The Willets.
1: yeah feelings and
0: me- thanks for being on the show man
1: thank you for asking you're amazing i love your show and i love what you're doing
0: it's been a pleasure thanks so much for joining me today on word quota man wasn't that such a great conversation with wes i really appreciated what he had to say about things that god has called you to and how he gives you the things you didn't even know that you wanted such a good word. If you would like to purchase a copy of Anno Domini for yourself or multiple copies as Christmas presents, and I think you should, you can go to amazon.com and look for Anno Domini by Wes Willett. If you'd like to check out some more of his thought processes and wisdom snippets, that's The Ink Forge, and Wes shares lots of good little nuggets there as well. Don't forget that if you'd like to keep hearing things from Word Quota without interruption, you can go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Positive rates and reviews are wonderful as well. Thanks again for joining me today on Word Quota, and remember to fulfill your Word Quota well.